Hello, and welcome back to Luxi, a podcast to reignite your wonder by exploring the intersection of science and luxury. I'm Dr. Lex. And I'm Dr. Demos. And this week we're talking about the jewels of the sea, pearls. So Demos, what have you always wondered about pearls? Well, I've always wondered how their iridescence is so interesting to look at, mm. especially sunny and and also when they're wet, they mm. look amazing, at least when you're just walking around and looking at half-open oysters on the beach. <laughs> so you're talking about the luster, right? Yes, I'm talking about the luster. And I've always wondered actually how they are made, exactly. So hopefully you'll cover that uh, with the background information. And have you ever bought pearls? Um, I don't think I've ever purchased pearl jewelry for you. Yeah, I think one of the necklaces you got me has pearls on it, but it's not... It's not like a, a full strand of pearls okay. or just pearls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and frankly, I up until researching this podcast, I had never researched how to grade pearls or really what the differences were. So no, I hadn't. I didn't. I, you know, I have an uh, old strand from my grandmother, which is clearly a not the best quality one, but you know has sentimental value. You know, I mentioned last week that I had bought a ring in Cambodia. And I really like to get a little piece of jewelry as a souvenir when I travel, um, because then you have a story that goes with each piece. So when you can wear, when you wear it and people ask about it, then you have a story that goes along with it. I ended up in Bangladesh for work one time, and while I was there, I did find some really gorgeous black pearls. Yeah, those are beautiful. That look, you know, more Tahitian type purple black. Yeah, I don't know where they came from. As as I mentioned last time, when you buy jewelry in other countries, you sometimes don't get the same level of authentication of the jewelry that you would uh, here in the States. So I don't, I don't know. I haven't taken them to a jeweler to get them appraised or anything, but I do like them. They're very pretty. That's usually my bar. <laughs> do I like them? Will I wear them? <laughs> well, I think that's, that's been the bar forever. So why don't we jump into it? Do you want to give us a bit of background about what pearls are and how they're made? Pearls are, first of all, uh, referenced in ancient religion and mythology, something that have inspired the Egyptians. Apparently, Cleopatra was a big fan and used it to uh, win wagers with Mark Anthony that she could consume the wealth of an entire nation because uh, she found that she could dissolve a pearl mm -hmm. in a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the ultimate symbol of wealth was ancient Rome, where uh, pearls were provided uh, the ultimate symbol of wealth. And so I I had read somewhere that there was a point in time, and perhaps this is what you're talking about, where pearls were actually almost as expensive or more expensive than diamonds because finding a natural pearl is still quite rare. You don't necessarily get a great pearl from every mollusk either. Right. So to get a nice round one is quite special. So there's actually eight different types of, of pearl-producing mollusks. And depending on the type, you can get different colors mm -hmm. as well. So one of the most uh, well-known is uh, the Nautilus pompilus, mm. the Haliotis iris, Haliotis rufescens, mm. Bathymodiolus azoricus, I mm -hmm. guess it's from the Azores, the Atrina rigida, Lasmiona complanata, and the Pinctana margaritifera. So margaritari is Greek, the Greek word for pearl. Ah. So if you see a margaret, like a margaret mm -hmm. or something like that. Oh, the name is pearl. The name is actually pearl. Oh, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. 
And then another species which generates pearls in California is the Mytilus californiaeus. You can imagine that's where they found them. Interesting. As far as other background for pearls, the European expansion of, uh, into the New World brought the discovery of pearls in Central American waters, which were brought back to the wealth of Europe. The greed and lust for those sea-grown gems meant that almost all of them were depleted and that the American pearl oyster populations were pretty much eliminated by uh, the mid-17th century. Mm. Until uh, the early 1900s, early natural pearls were accessible only to uh, the rich and famous. And in fact, uh, Jacques Cartier purchased his landmark store on New York's famous Fifth Avenue by trading simply two pearl necklaces for that property. <laughs> wow. So, all right, I want to know I want to know the answer to my question. How do pearls form? Okay. Natural pearls begin their life as a foreign object, mm -hmm. uh, such as a parasite or piece of shell that accidentally lodges itself in an oyster's soft inner body where it cannot be expelled. So it's always an oyster. Uh yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, or some type of mollusk. So if a mollusk is an oyster, then yes. Well, so oysters are part of the mollusk family, which includes things like clams and stuff. Yes. So the question is, does it, oh, and mussels, mollusks is a big family. Yeah. yeah. So the question is, is it always an oyster? Well, and I think the answer is yes. I, I think so. But the problem is, is I've seen examples of the ability to nucleate inside of clams. So I'm, I'm wondering if you're like Googling right now, you can make, make a pearl and a clam. And I think the answer is yes. And, and the reason I say that is, is there's some amazing examples, including the Buddha, that was created by nucleating a tiny version of that inside of a clamshell. Let's talk about it from the standpoint of oysters. Okay. To ease the irritant that is injected or that is inside of this oyster's body, the oyster's body takes a defensive action of secreting a smooth and hard crystalline substance around the irritant in order to protect itself from the irritant. Not that different from what our own bodies do mm. to um, um, external items that are inside of our bodies. Our bodies try to create, a, if you will, a cyst even around that. And this would be essentially a cyst. Mm -hmm. This uh, cyst is called nacre, N-A-C-R-E. Mm -hmm. As long as the... Or mother of pearl. Or mother of pearl, yeah. As long as the irritant remains in the body, the oyster will continue to secrete nacre around it, layer upon layer. And over time, the irritant will be completely encased by the silky crystalline coating. And the coating will essentially cover it, and then a new coating mm -hmm. will form around that coating, and a new form of coating will occur around the other coating, essentially creating an onion. Scientists have isolated strains of oysters that possess superior pearl-producing qualities. These selectively bred oysters produce pearls that are beautiful, have mm -hmm. excellent clarity. The process of nucleating or seeding this is done by opening live pearl oysters, creating a tiny incision inside the oyster's body, then placing a tiny piece of mantle tissue from another oyster mm -hmm. into a, what could be a relatively safe location. Because obviously you don't want to hurt the oyster that's no. creating no. The, this pearl. You know, I have a video, maybe I'll repost it on our Instagram, of a sustainable pearl harvesting technique, okay. which I think probably is akin to what they're doing when they nucleate the oysters, mm -hmm. where you they have these little calipers that just open the oyster a little bit, and yeah. then you can see them very carefully extract the pearl, and that way that oyster can go on to make another pearl, because you know the oyster will make a pearl. Oh, absolutely. 
because it's really sad to see entire populations uh, be decimated by people who don't really care like, yeah. for like, short-term profit. And I just found that the odds of finding a pearl in an oyster are about 1 in 10,000. That's amazing. Yeah. And given that, you know, that they're... And now, that's a jewelry quality pearl. We yes. should say that pearls are made for other uses. So cult- cultural pearls are not always for um, jewelry. That's probably the main use. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, as far as creating this mantle tissue and creating this uh, nucleus um, where the knacker is created around, the um, other aspect of it is picking a particular type of family of pearl oyster mm-hmm. in order to generate the, the yes. colors that you want. And then the other aspect of it is having huge beds of these oysters, which are circulated from the bottom to the top to allow them to have access to a consistent water temperature, at least an average water temperature. And so the two sources that I got this from were the AmericanPearl.com website. Ah, But also there's a lovely story on Smithsonian Magazine, which has true story of pearls. And it's the true story behind how pearls were made. Yeah, I think one of the cool aspects of pearls is that they're actually, and I'll get into this a little bit in mind, they're um, layers, layers of a calcium carbonate yep. crystal. And it has to be a very specific type because if you don't get the right type of calcium carbonate crystal, you don't get the luster on the pearl. Hence, lack luster. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, another layer of a protein. And so it's just layer, like, you know, layer after layer of the calcium carbonate and the protein and the calcium carbonate and the protein that are very particular to the pearl. They give it that unique color spectrum because pearls come in a fairly wide variety of colors. Well, I wanted to interject a moment and give you another use for pearl that I just saw in my show notes. What's that? The architectural use of pearl. Architectural, is okay. It's not uncommon. And in fact, you're going to see this. Can I, so can I, can, I build, can I build a house out of them? Uh, you can <laughs> decorate a house out of them. And uh, this okay. is something you see a little bit more in the Middle East and around the Mediterranean. I would imagine so. Both black and white knacker are used for architectural purposes in that the natural knacker can be artificially tinted to almost any color. Knacker tessere may be cut into shapes and laminated into ceramic to a ceramic tile or a marble base. They are hand-placed as well and closely sandwiched together to create irregular mosaics or patterns such as weaves. Mm -hmm. Um, The material is about two millimeters thick, uh, essentially like a veneer, like how typically you'll see a lot of wood veneers on furniture, but it's not uncommon to see furniture with inlay of nacre. Yeah, I've seen that, the mother of pearl inlays on things. Uh, You know where I've seen a lot of it? Boxes. Mm-hmm. Little boxes, little wooden yes. boxes with a mother of pearl inlay. I think my mom has one. Uh, but there's another place you see it a lot, even in modern instruments. Yes. Yes. That is true. Fair bit of inlay. In fact, um, I Guitars. have a mandolin. You have a mandolin. That's full of knacker. Yeah. Yeah. And a bazooki. Yes. That is completely loaded with it. It's, yeah, that bazooki is pretty lust, lusterful, I guess. It's bursting. Lustrous? That's the word. Lustrous. Yes. yes. I was trying to... It's lustrous. I got there. I got there eventually. <laughs> um, 
The Nacro Tesserae can be glued to fiberglass as well, and you can create a lightweight material for um, seamless installation into um, all kinds of things like countertops, doors, ceilings, interior floors. So this is the question. Like if you did it into your countertop or like a floor, because pearls themselves are not, they're known to be on the softer side of the gym. Like if you have a pearl necklace or a pearl ring, you do have to be a bit careful with them. It's not like, you know, a diamond where you're not necessarily worried that's going to chip or anything. Well, to give you an idea, bows of stringed instruments such as violin and cello have mother of pearl and lay it at the frog. And traditionally, uh, the saxophone key touches as well as as valve buttons on trumpets and other brass instruments will have them as well. Yeah, I've seen that. So it does definitely create a wonderful texture mm. and use and these are items for professionals to use daily yeah so from the what i've seen yes they do eventually wear but it it wears a lot better than a traditional veneer so if this was just a wood veneer it would wear out actually much faster so relatively speaking i think it wears actually quite well okay i mean I, not that i'm gonna put a veneer of mother of pearl on anything in our house anytime soon but so of course you know because it's me i dove into a review article because we all know how much i love the review article well if you're doing especially if you're doing research like this it's quite helpful to have a review article there's some really interesting ones especially for pearl powder now this ingredient has been used in traditional chinese medicine for thousands of years it makes sense since pearls are essentially dense protein and minerals Mm. packed together and as you said you can dissolve them So you can dissolve those components and then make a powder. So the main component, as we've said, is calcium carbonate. And there are three polymorphs depending on conditions. You can get calcite, aragonite, or vaterite, calcium carbonate. And the aragonite is the main inorganic compound of the luster of the pearl. So if you don't have aragonite and you have vaterite pearls, those are considered lackluster, which I think is the origin of the term, which, interestingly enough, is Trace back to its first use being in Shakespeare's play, As You Like It. Yeah. yeah. Kind of cool that you can trace those things back. At least that far. They could have been using it before that, but mm. maybe not in the written record. And those veterite pearls are the result of an irregular biomineralization of the calcium carbonate. So something goes funky. <laughs> Scientific term. So the most common way to make a pearl powder is decalcification or removal of the calcium compounds. And um, they use disodium ethylene diamine tetraacetate, and that uh, undermines the structures and therefore the role of the proteins in the pearl powder. So it's not the best way to make this. Another option is gas diffusion, and that can separate the pearl powder from the nacre powder. So you're dealing with or knacker powder. Is it knacker or knacker? I don't know. Okay. We probably should have looked okay. that one up. I'm going to research that. Okay. Mother of pearl powder. <laughs> so the u- potential biomedical uses for this are in wound healing. Um, and you'll see pearl powder in cosmetics, and they'll make a lot of ca- claims around its ability to regenerate your skin and yada yada. And um, But there has been uh, actual scientific research on wound healing with pearl powder. So wound healing is a complex process. Nacre. Nacre, all right. And um, that has, there's very th- few therapeutic agents currently available for stimulating wound healing. So wound healing has three phases. The first is inflammation, which is, um, there's a release of elastases and proteases. And do you remember what an ASE ending on a word usually means? Ace. Ace. Um, 
it's a carbonyl group? It's an enzyme. An enzyme. Yes. Okay. Um, and these are released by, by neutrophils, which are some of the first white blood cells that come to a site of infection or injury, and they can actually phagocytose other cells. You know okay. what phagocytosis is? That's Greek for eat up. Yes. And so they chomp up foreign entities. Chomp up. I like chomp. It's kind of like a Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. Chomp, 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 chomp. Uh, so anyway, this leads to vascular dilation and the increased blood vessel permeability, and that's so other components can come into the site of injury quicker. You dilate the blood vessels. So the second phase of wound healing is pol- proliferation, where skin cells come into the site to promote wound angiogenesis, which is the formation of new blood vessels. And the third phase is maturation, where other skin cells produce extracellular collagen matrix that's required to stitch your skin back together. Now, studies done in rats and human wound healing models, or human skin cells that are cultured and then disrupted, have shown that nacre and pearl extracts cultivate well-vascularized tissue and improved this extracellular matrix production, and was able to promote migration of new skin cells to injury sites. The hypothesis is that the protein component of pearls, called conchiolin, is responsible for pearl skin healing and improving qualities. Um, As I mentioned, this is taken as gospel in the beauty world where where pearl powder is added to skincare products, but this has not been fully substantiated by the science. The experiments to date with nacre pearl powder and pearl extracts have only been done in animal studies or in vitro human skin experiments. Um, But I think it's really promising, and um, they are looking at having patches that include the pearl powder that you can put over a wound to stimulate the wound healing to happen faster. Because right now, if you have an open wound that won't heal, there's not a lot really that can be done besides keeping it clean, watching it. Sometimes they use what's called a wound vac, kind of a vacuum to kind of get the skin to pull back together. Mm. But it can be a months to years long process if you have a, a wound that won't heal. And in the process, there's scar tissue that's being created right. in a very unorganized way. Correct. And that can often have its own set of complications after the wound has closed. And so specifically for patients, you know, for example, that have diabetes that have mm-hmm. uh, impaired wound healing, something yes. that could help would be really beneficial. Of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the nanotechnology around okay, pearls because yes. we have done nanotechnology in almost all of our episodes for, in some way or another. So study conducted by Chen et al. saw hastened wound closure and improved biomechanical strength of recovered tissue in rat skin excision model for both micro and nano-sized pearl powders. Wow, amazing. Yeah. You just drop the pearl powder in and yeah. it heals better. Yeah. While this field requires more study, the authors do envision a product that would consist of an antimicrobial nanofiber dressing with pearl powder that could protect injured tissues from pathogens and stimulate tissue regeneration. You this just make band-aids with pearl powder powder. Yeah, so sort of. Yeah, it's, it's, it's be really big for burn treatment as well, because that's another oh area gosh, where wound healing is yeah. really challenging. Um, and just to point out here that while pearls for jewelry are quite expensive, cultured or natural, right? The fact that pearls can be cultured and done so sustainably means that it's not as expensive of a material as some of our other podcast subjects. Oh, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, since I wondered about the color of pearls at the beginning of the episode, I found this really interesting article about structural colors of pearls. This is by Ozaki et al. and was published in Nature as a scientific report in 2021. And as we said, luster is perhaps the characteristic that most defines pearls and is produced by periodic structures of 
aragonite crystals and the protein sheets. And this is defined as a structural color, coloration, one that or, originates from multiple reflections in a nano-layered structure of the mother of pearl. So what this means is that the thickness of the layers determine the color reflection from the mother of the pearl. And other examples of structural colors include future podcast subject opals, morpho butterflies, jewel beetles, and polia fruits. Do you know what a polia fruit is? No, I do not. You should Google that one. It's really beautiful. It's, uh, it kind of looks like a raspberry where it has like the individual little fruit polyp kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. And those, the individual fruit bulbs are round and shiny, like black pearl colored shiny. Wow. Yeah, and it, they said that the structural coloration of these fruits is the most intense of any known in, in nature. They're so iridescent. Yes, it's really cool. We'll have to post that on the Instagram yeah. too. Polia fruit, P-O-L-L-I-A. Yeah, polia. I don't think it's edible for humans, but it's quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. How's that for a good tangent? Nature is amazing. <laughs> So uh, now for another tangent, the study of these reflections from multi-layered structures is not purely academic. These optical elements, the thin film interfaces and the multiple reflections that you see in structural coloration has been used in spectrometers, lasers, optical filters, and other devices. We even mentioned them earlier podcast episodes, Plaid, when referencing gratings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So... Finally, back to the pearls. Pearls are graded by size, color, and luster. Obviously, pearl manufacturers would want to control the color of the pearls, and since that has to do with the thickness of the aragonite crystal layer, the authors of the study developed a non-destructive method for doing just that in Akoya pearl farming, which is pearl farming using the small Akoya oyster, and these are said to be some of the best cultured pearls in the world. Mm. This non-destructive method is essentially an optical method, which means it uses data to predict what is happening with the pearls, specifically internal light scattering and its transmi- transmission. So they made a model, an optical model, for, the, for predicting the color of the pearl. Fortunately for the authors, the transmission and reflection spectra of the pearls calculated by the model showed good agreement with the experimental results of the actual pearls. And if this method is reproducible, I'm feeling these authors can make a lot of money putting mm-hmm. this into the industry. <laughs> Because yes. you won't have to open a pearl to be able to, with pretty good accuracy, tell its color. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. But in any case, I mean, you're still going to end up harvesting the pearl. Yeah, but you don't want to disrupt the process while it's going, right? That's a good point. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what happens when you open a pearl, like an oyster when it's in the middle of making a pearl. Maybe like you... opening an oven when you're baking a cake and the cake just falls. I don't know if the pearl would fall, but you'd probably get a deformed pearl, right? Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be completely round? Yeah, you sort of hang a do not disturb sign. On yes. Maker. <laughs> just all right <laughs> so do you have anything you want to add or should we go to our glossary um i would only add that there has been some interesting research using the nacre mm-hmm. to determine if the dislocations in nacre creation can be connected to average temperature of the pearl it's well known that you need to maintain average for excellent pearls to be created. Mm-hmm. But per, the nature of the pearl, it's not that pearls don't get created in different temperatures, it's just they're different pearls. Yes. However, in naturally existing pearls over the eons, there was an interest to see, are there ways we can tell the differences in the pearls? And if we can use, we know the age of the pearls, we can right. do carbon dating to find out how old they are. How about if we can learn more information, like is it a time capsule for our environment? And sure enough, 
research into paleontology, and, um, and I'll put a, a link to the paper. The result was that the dislocations under electron microscope scanning of the nacre as it was formed results in a direct correlation to average temperature. And so by radiation dating, carbon dating, the pearl, mm -hmm. you can also find out how average temperatures over the eons have changed. So it's a really really, cool. a, a, essentially a paleothermometer. Well, what's also, I think, very important about that fact is that pearls and oysters are sort of a bellwether, a canary in the coal mine, if you will, about uh, rising ocean temperatures. Mm -hmm. Because yes. the rising ocean temperatures does impact the oyster's ability to make a pearl because yeah. the calcium carbonate won't form at a higher temperature mm. as, as well as it would at some other temperatures. And so they have been used, again, as sort of a bellwether of health of ocean systems. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, glossary. Nucleation. I'm going to have to edit that. <laughs> the addition of foreign substance that can trigger a formation of material around it. Thanks. Yeah. Nacre, your new, fav new favorite world. Yes. Nacre is the material that is secreted by the oyster around a foreign object. It's mother of pearl, essentially. And there's a reason why it's called mother of pearl, because that's what the pearl is made from, right? Mm -hmm. Luster. Do you know what the actual definition of luster is? Well, luster, for me, I've always thought of it as the shininess of an object. Mm -hmm. And um, it's essentially something that can be associated with a fine wood veneer or, or a wood grain. <laughs> so it's a gentle sheen or yes. soft glow, especially from a partly reflective surface. Oh, so okay. not, you know, like, like my face. Yes. You have very nice luster today. It must be moisturizing. <laughs> Do you have pearl powder in your moisturizer? No, I don't, but I should. <laughs> uh, decalcification. It's, like, it's an easy one for I you. I guess just taking calcium out of yeah. something. Yeah. Do you remember what neutrophils are? No, I didn't. So I'm looking here at the show notes. <laughs> so, white blood cells that uh, that are an early sensor of harm and act on on damaged tissue. Yeah, and they, they usually do a lot of recruiting of other cells as well as chomping. Smart cells. Mm -hmm. Angiogenesis. Okay, that I know. It's blood vessel blood vessel creation. Yes, and structural color. Okay, this is when the color of an object is dictated by the reflection of multiple layers of itself. Yes, mm -hmm. that's very good reading from the show notes. Yes, yeah. otherwise I really wouldn't know. <laughs> All right, and so for your cocktail party facts for this episode. Well, the cross-sectional graph is um, something that um, if you take a quick look at it, you can tell people the cost of a pearl necklace mm. as a function of the size of the pearl. Is it the necklace or is it the individual pearl? It's the individual pearl, but in okay. the case of a pearl necklace, the cost of creating the necklace is much lower than the cost of the pearls used in it. However, what we see is that there's an inflection point. The cost of the pearl necklace goes up astronomically with the size. So my recommendation to all those people buying pearls out there is to buy at the inflection point where you get a good size, but you don't see too much of that um, excessive rate of rise of cost. I would imagine the reason for this is that it's difficult to get an oyster to make a pearl above a certain size. Yes. Just from a growth, like you have to leave it in longer. And it ha it's probably much harder to have that pearl be perfectly round as well. Yeah. As, a, as you get bigger. Mm -hmm. 
So mine is the probable orig origin of the term lackluster, type of pearl where the biomineralization of calcium, calcium carbonate was imperfect. And you can add the extra fun fact that it was from Shakespeare's As You Like It. And then uh, how do pearls get their color? And the color is from the lip of the oyster and the pigments within the protein in the oyster. But they can also be dyed, so make sure you watch out for fakes. Okay. Well, you've done it. I spent another 20 plus minutes with Dr. Demos and I in the beautiful and enchanting pearls. We hope you remember a little cocktail party fact about pearls the next time you see someone wearing them or a skincare product purporting miracles because of the inclusion of pearl powder. Very special thank you to my co-host and audio engineer, Demos. Our theme music is Harlequin Mood by Birdie. If you like us, please, please, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find us all over social media at LuxiPod, and our website is luxi.podcastpage.io. And I recommend you check out the website because we've started posting some blog posts on there. Please take a minute to share us with two friends, the woman or man or folks walking down the street with amazing pair of heels on, or perhaps your coworker who bombards you with fun facts all day. Until all right. next time. <laughs>